From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Today, our guest will be Kay Phillips, author of The Nasty Women's Project, Voice of the Resistance, and musician Seth Power. Also, we'll chat about the latest headlines in this weekend roundup and get your feedback to our question of the day, how has politics affected you? Hey, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming around. Turn around. Every now and From MPB then Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with... Marshall Ramsey on Eclipse Day in a total eclipse of your heart, Bonnie Tyler. We had to play that. You know, she is actually singing that too, just to let you know. Hey, we got a great show lined up for you today. Our guests are Kay Phillips of the Nasty Women's Project and musician Seth Power, plus my book club feature of the week and the weekly challenges coming up as well this afternoon. Just stay tuned in. We're going to get you all warmed up and prepped for this, for the eclipse. I can't believe it. I just once in a lifetime opportunity. Of course, we will be here. So we're not going to get the total eclipse. Eclipse. But happy Eclipse Day, and I hope you got up early to open your Eclipse presents and your Eclipse cards, and brought by the Eclipse Bunny, of course. And I know it'll be a busy day because there's a lot of Eclipse parties out there, but I just wanted you to know that unlike the Earth and the Sun, I'll never let anything get between us, right? Right, 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 yeah. Uh, anyway, I hope this, that brightens your Eclipse Day on the day that will be temporarily dark, but always sunny here on MPB Think Radio. And I know you're probably thinking right now, Marshall, why are you going to be celebrating Eclipse Day? Well, I didn't buy a pair of cheap Eclipse sunglasses at some big box superstore. I really don't want to put my eyes in the hands of a $3.99 pair of cardboard glasses, but I like to see. And Pip the dog, my dog, would be a terrible service dog. i got to tell you that right now. Um, by the way, I am a capitalizing Eclipse now because it is very important just to let you know that. So if you hear Eclipse, it's capitalized. And I'm about to trademark it as well. Um, I probably will do the old pinhole and the piece of paper deal like we did as kids. That's what I remember when I was a kid doing yeah. that. Now they're scaring you like, don't look directly at it. My daughter asked me, so why can't I look at it? I'm because, like, oh my God. Uh, have you read the because comment section on news stories? No, I haven't. Because I don't think people have a lot of sense these days and they're probably going to be staring at the sun. I'll be honest with you. So, I mean, I, I don't have a real high expectation. Don't stare at the sun. Okay? Please it's, don't look It's at the it. big yellow ball up in the sky exactly. just to kind of give you a little bit of reference. Hey, but I'm excited about the clips. I really am. I'm, they say I you mean, can look at it once it the sun, uh, once the moon totally covers the but sun. But it's not going to do that here. <laughs> right. So, so don't do that. Don't look at it at all <laughs> yeah, then here. Don't do that. If you hear my voice, don't do that. Please so, don't do it. I, I mean, mean if, you will not feel it. It's not going to burn the uh, rays out of your eyes immediately, but long-term effect it will have yeah, on your I eyes. Mean, it's just basic common sense. Don't stare at the sun. Okay, didn't your mama ever tell you that when you were a kid? Don't stare at the sun. But people want to see the, you know, the eclipse and or the partial here, and they want to see it so bad. But okay, do it. We'll, do tell, it. we'll tell you how to do it. In just right, a half do it second. We'll do it safely. <laughs> yes. Have, have safe eclipse viewing. Exactly. Okay. Because uh, definitely, we don't want you to. Uh, well, 
you know, it's a good thing. We want to make sure your eyes are okay. Anyway, I'm excited about it. It doesn't happen often. It does you know? not. And, you know, the thing I like about it kind of gives us a moment to remember that we really have little control of the world around us. And uh, there's a big old universe beyond this blue little marble we live on and our even smaller, tiny, and minuscule lives. Hey, when that sky grows dark, it'll be a brief moment to step outside of ourselves and bask in the awe of brilliance and perfection of the universe. Uh, as the sky darkens and then lightens, just remember that there's a little, something a little bit bigger out there than ourselves and just be grateful because I'm looking forward to that. Hi. Uh, so enjoy Eclipse Day 2017. It's the day that we actually look up for a change. Uh, when we appreciate science and watch nature put on a show, just don't stare at the sun like I've tried to say over and over and over because I really don't want you staring at the sun. Uh, and I also want you to be able to read tomorrow's cartoon because exactly. if you stare at the sun, you won't be able to look at my cartoon tomorrow. <laughs> and I promise my Eclipse Day cartoon to you is in the mail. It's, it's in the mail? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Speaking of in the mail, you had a great weekend. You had a busy weekend. I did. Didn't you? I did. I did. Um, Mississippi Book Festival. Yes. I was on a panel, and I was on a Ellen Gilchrist, okay? Famous author. I was just on a panel with her. That was really cool. But I got to sit. Oh, yeah. I have a few thoughts here I'd like to share with you. But um, I just say, number one, congratulations to the organizers. I mean, this thing's been going on for three short years, and the event has already exploded into one of the best book events in the country. Every year, it gets better and better and better. You know, there's mistakes. They learn from them. They make it better the next year. Uh, I arrived at 9 in the morning, and be honest with you, I barely could find a parking space. I mean, that, <laughs> in the last year, last few years, you know, I could get pretty close to the Capitol, and I had to walk pretty well. So that, that was a good sign. Uh, to me, also, it's like a family reunion. You know, I get to run into friends that I don't get to see often. And that's uh, really a testament to Mississippi's creative community, which is really something special. You know, sitting in the author's lounge, eating sweet rolls and swapping stories is the hidden gem of the whole event. And three is enjoying the – I was on the Things Like Truth panel – and uh, obviously, I was sitting next to my friend Sid Salter, and Sid, as some of you know, is a longtime columnist here in the state of Mississippi, and he's also a friend of mine, and I've got to sit next to him for 10 years, and love me some Sid Salter. He is truly one of the more um, honest and kind men you'll ever run across. He's also stubborn, uh, but he's also been fighting lymphoma, and it has been absolutely kicking his tail, and he announced there at the panel that he is in remission. And so, I mean, my heart cheered. It was just absolutely a great moment. Ellen Gilchrist, like I said, she was there. She's quite a character, and she entertained the crowd. Jim Dees, who we need, you know, does Thacker Mountain Radio. Jim is a very talented man and, of course, is a good writer as well. And he was brilliant, as usual. Jack Bales was there, and he put together a book on uh, Willie Morris, and his passion for Willie brought Willie back to life, and that made a lot of fun, too. Uh, my coworker Jim Jimmy Gates did the moderating, and really all he had to do was say, Ms. Gilchrist, take it away, because that was pretty much, she just I mean, she went on for 15 minutes without really? taking a breath. She was funny, and she was really good. And I want to thank uh, I want to thank the Book Festival folks for inviting me. That was really fun. I met Richard Ford, who's from Jackson, famous author, has won the Pulitzer Prize. I'm just a finalist, so, you know, I'm not worthy. But uh, it was really cool to meet him. And, you know, that was the thing. You got to meet so many of your idols and so many storytellers out there, and you got to hear how they told the stories. And that was really a lot of fun. State Capitol makes a great backdrop for that event. It really does. Because, I mean, the building, if you've never been in the State Capitol, make make an effort to go down and check it out because it's a gorgeous building. And it was neat. Um, You never know who you're going to be sitting next to. I, You know, they after you do your thing you go sit in the author's tent for about an hour and sign books and so people would buy the book and they bring it to me and i'd sign it which was fun i got to sit next to bill dunlap wow. which i've i've interviewed bill before on the television show and conversations and you might have seen that episode 
Bill is a truly a renaissance man. Um, not only is he like one of the best painters in America, he's one of the most famous ones anyway. His paintings go probably per painting more than I make a year. Uh, he's that good. But he's also a great writer and a speaker and a drummer. He played drummer in a oh. band. He's played with Jimmy Buffett before. Yeah. That's uh, He's really had quite a life. And um, it's just pure energy. So I sat there for an hour, and he just completely kept me entertained. He was fantastic. Loved me some Bill Dunlap. And so I, I kind of felt like I won the who will sit next to you at the book signing lottery. Unlike the Powerball, which is up like $5 zillion. Six, now. Six hundred and something million dollars. So why are we sitting wow. here? Why are we all driving to Louisiana exactly. right now? Giving them our money. Come on. That'd be great. <laughs> I surrendered to Bill Ferris, who I've interviewed for the television show, too. Bill's a treasure. And I, you know Bill Ferris, right? Yes. He, he basically, um, all through the 60s and 70s, did a great job chronicling Mississippi's folklore. And um, just it was just good to catch up with him. I, you know, and that's the thing. You, you run into these stories. I was on the sidewalk and ran into Curtis Wilkie. Wow. Who, Curtis, you know. So he, this was exciting for it, you. I mean, for me, it was, you know, like I said, you run uh-huh. into your friends. Mm-hmm. And I had just um, done an episode on the, ni- the 1962 riot up at Ole Miss. And I found out that. Bill Malden, the cartoonist, one of the most famous cartoonists of all time, he did Willie and Joe in World War II and was just uh, I'm a legend, just a legend. But he was there covering the riot, and I didn't realize that. Over 300 uh, journalists were there in Oxford that day. And so that was fascinating, and I got to talk to Curtis, who happened to be there as well wow. as a student at Ole Miss. And so, you know, I mean, those are kind of the account- counters that you don't expect every day. And, yes, it was hotter in Hades there, too. <laughs> God, it was like warm syrup. You know, and you know, here I, I'm here. I am in my author's you know uniform, but you know, which for me was jeans. I just went jeans. I didn't go khaki. Sorry, okay. but I had a blue jacket on and a shirt. You know, because you want to look nice. Yeah, you know, the panel. I'm inside. I, I think C-SPAN's taping it, so I want to look fairly decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get outside, and I'm like the Wicked Witch. When, you know, after having Started a melty, oh, like a big bucket of water thrown on her. I'm like as I'm going down, and um. So I just took the jacket off. I just couldn't do it. But it was a great setting for the whole event as well. And uh, I do appreciate every single person who came up and complimented my work. I just, you know, it blows me away. A lot of people listen to the show. I want to say thank you for mentioning that and the television show, too. But also, they like my cartoons. I guess after 20 years, that's good. And my Facebook post, too. So that was kind of neat. And, and, And I enjoyed that. I had one lady try to troll me. I'm like, really? I mean, come on. I mean, number one. Um, I find that obnoxious on Facebook when people do it. Don't do it in person. And I'm just like looking at her going, you know, I've been married for 24 years, okay? You know, you, you can't say anything to me that, you know, that's going to offend me. You um, know, with that, though, you know, you, you take, you've been doing it long enough. You take the good with the bad because, you know, you, you put yourself out there. People have right. comments. People, you know, comment about everything now. So I think, you know, it's so funny when something like that happens. And Larry David was um, – from Seinfeld fame. He's the one who was the co-creator of Seinfeld and who George Costanza is based off of. And, of course, he's got a show now on HBO. And, you know, he right. played Bernie Sanders on Saturday Night Live. Right. That's Larry David. Mm-hmm. Larry David walked into Yankee Stadium, and they showed his face up on the board. And 30,000 people in Yankee Stadium cheered for Larry David. He's walking out of the stadium to the subway. Somebody yells a profanity at him. And, and guess what bothered him for the rest of the night? That one person. That one person. Of course. 30,000 people cheered him in one person. And that is such human nature right it there. It is. But I hope you didn't let that woman affect you this oh, weekend. Oh, I wanted to you? give her a big hug. 
I just love her. She's just great. Oh, it didn't bother me. You know my skin's thick because it's all covered with scars. Stop. You know. <laughs> speaking of scars. Speaking of scars. Good segue. Because uh, <laughs> last Monday I mentioned that I had five biopsies. Yeah. And what's the... Not uh, autopsies, biopsies. Not autopsies. Where, where they cut off my moles to make sure right? I wasn't, you know, had didn't have cooties or melanoma or something like that. So you don't have cooties? No, I don't have cooties, nor do I have melanoma. So that was That's very good very news. very good, yeah. Yeah, so it was a, it was really a good, good day. Well, I told you that. I told you to stay positive. I, uh, well, what I'm, else can you do? You can't worry about something positive. you have no control over. So, But, you know, the power of your mind is very important. Do you understand the power yeah. that your mind has well, to affect change in your world, hey, in your the life? Pa- the power of my mind right now could probably light a 12-watt bulb. <laughs> That's about where I am on a Monday today. So, yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I always stay positive and positive will follow until Yes, me. and I'm positive that I'm like brain dead. So there you go. <laughs> See, I'm positive. We had lost a couple giants over the weekend. We did. Uh, Dick, Dick, Dick Gregory. Dick who was, Gregory passed. I mean, 84 years old. 84 I mean, it, he on was, Saturday. He was a young 84. He, in fact, he was here with Rita. He was here in January with yeah, Rita Sharita, B. as uh-huh. we know her. Yes, Sharita yeah. at the Alamo Theater. And uh, he did a great show. She did a great show. And she commented this weekend on her Instagram about that. And showed the picture of them together. Yes, uh-huh. And um, he has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, so that's very important. And he found humor in civil rights, in the civil rights struggle. He found humor in that. So when you can, like we talked about earlier, when you have a platform and you use it for, uh, for good, that's a plus. Well, one of our questions today is this. How has politics affected you? And of course, you can always join in on the show at 877-MPB-RING. Um, for me, I think, of course, I make fun of politics. That's mm-hmm. what I do. I don't really do it on the show that much, but I do it, you know, with the cartoons. But I understand the importance of politics, too. I mean, I understand the, the importance of policy. And, of course, not many people do. We, we kind of get caught up in the horse race and, and, you know, the gotcha and all the stuff that we see on the news. But at the end of the day, politics affects us because every day there's decisions made that do that. But um, these guys, Dick Gregory and, of course, Jerry Lewis, who Jerry passed Lewis away passed at 91 yesterday. in Las Vegas. I mean, a legend. And, of course, many years. And you love the telethon. I love the telethon. I used Raised to stay up all billion night. billion dollars. Two yeah. billion dollars on that. And they used their humor to make this a better world. They did. They did. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll welcome our guest, Kay Phillips, as we go inside her story and get to know her better. Plus, we'll talk about the book club feature and the weekly challenge as well. Still time to let us know what you're reading this week, so that's good. And, of course, the question today is this, how's politics affected you, too? And, by the way, since today is Eclipse Day, how are you viewing the eclipse? Well, that'd be good, too. 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. You're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Uh, happy Eclipse Day. I hope you're getting ready to celebrate and, you know, wrapped your eyes in protective film. And, you know, we were kids. They said, well, you could look through film negatives and look at it that way. And, of course, I'm thinking, there ain't any more film negatives out there, really, for kids to be able to do that. And then the other was welder's masks, which, of course, I have a couple laying around in the closet. 
Um, you can always poke the pinhole in there. That's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to check that. I'm going to run out in the middle of downtown Jackson. All right. Well, I want to welcome to the show Kay Phillips. Kay, it's good to see you. Uh, you also are a survivor of the Mississippi Book Festival. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. You got to sit in Author's Alley for 19 hours in the middle of the heat. At least. Oh, uh, that's great. But you, you know, this is a great story. She's here with the book Nasty Women's Project, which we, t- I guess, we had another guest we had. Met. Oh, right, my yeah. daughter Erin. Yeah, Erin. We had Erin on mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the year, and she was talking about it being in progress. And now here we are. We've got it. I told you my brain didn't work. Um, <laughs> But that said, you had such a successful day selling books that you had to go to Lemuria Books today and go buy a copy of your own book so you could have one here today. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's a good day. <laughs> that's a good day. Well, all right. Well, tell us a little bit about you because I found out, number one, that you are related to a very famous person here in the state of Mississippi. I am. That's cool. <laughs> who, who would be that? Uh, that would be my uh, first cousin, Deborah Bryant, who is first lady of Mississippi. No kidding. That's cool. <laughs> now, I have to admit, I, I do make fun of Phil, the governor, quite a bit. The governor, excuse me. That was very inappropriate of me to, to call him by his first name. Um, uh, but I do love the first lady. She's she, fun. She's brilliant. She is. She is. She, she's good people. Uh, but that's neat because they're like, hey, we got famous cousins. This works. But it's Mississippi, right? Cause, that's, cause, that's, exactly. But, but tell us a little bit more about you because you've got a great, great background. Well, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, and a uh, teacher for 30 years, uh, mainly in the Jackson area. But I did have the opportunity to teach two years in England. Uh, because my husband cool. is from England. Uh-huh. And, uh, now, what, how did you meet him? Oh, I always tell students, don't try this at home. Okay. Uh, but we met on the Internet. And this was way back in 1997 before there were, you know, all of these uh, eHarmony.com. That was maybe like AOL back in the, it those days. It was AOL. Yeah. And Aaron happened to be an exchange student in Australia and was not happy where the company had placed her because she's a city girl and they put her on a farm in Tasmania milking cows. Oh, goodness. So she said, get me out of here. And so I was on the internet uh, talking to a lady in Melbourne who was uh, happy to have Erin move there. And that's when I met my husband in a chat room. In a chat room in England. Right. So you're talking Australia, England, and the United States. Exactly. Okay. And uh, so uh, not too long after that, uh, one of my students' mother happens to be uh, a flight attendant for Delta, and she gave me a buddy pass to go over to England to meet him, and we became engaged and then got married in Jackson. That is very at, cool. At Wells Methodist. And how many years now? 20 years. 20 years. Exactly. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I'm on 24. Um, y'all still like each other, right? Oh, very much. Oh, that's good. That's a good thing. Oh, I still like my wife. And I think she likes me most days. Oh, boy. So, okay, you taught for three. What did you teach? I taught uh, sociology, psychology, history, Mississippi studies. Uh, where What else? Uh, I think that pretty well covers the gamut. Dang, you must have been a fun <laughs> teacher. You got to teach all the fun classes. It was fun for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the project, uh, which is Nasty Women Project. As, as some of you may remember, there was the the protest, I guess, after the, the inauguration. That kind of was when it really became big. And y'all basically put a lot of the stories together from the people and created this book. Exactly. Actually, it started like a couple of days after the election. And my daughter and I were both part of Pantsuit Nation. That's right. That's the, the kind of the closed-off Facebook um, group, right? Right, it yeah. was. Mm-hmm. And uh, my daughter pitched the idea of a book to the lady who was the organizer for Pantsuit Nation, and she didn't 
warm to it very readily. So my daughter said, well, we'll just do, do this on our own. Right. And uh, she gathered up well over 80 women, but it ended up being 80 women who actually wrote in the book. And we had it published by March the 1st. Wow. So it was a labor of love. And it was also... 24-hour-a-day like, labor, oh, too, because that's a lot of, That's not a small book. Definitely. And we met up with some of the writers at the Women's March in Washington, D.C., yeah. which, which was a, a wonderful event. How did you come about picking the writers and finding the product of uh, the writers? Well, uh, actually, my daughter had them submit their stories, and then we did some editing on our own, and then by then, uh, by say January, uh, many professional editors stepped in and volunteered to help. Really, and then one of the ladies' husband owns a publishing company, um, and he uh, volunteered his services. And uh, it's a publishing company out of Ohio mm-hmm. uh, called Gateway. Okay, and so they they were kind enough to do that. The artwork was donated. Basically, we all just pitched in and did our thing. I'm about to say, you know, here you 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 got married off the internet, but also now because the way the social media and the way internet is now, it sounds like you were able to crowdsource the we book. Actually, did we did, yeah. and now we continue to, uh, you know, uh, I guess you could say push our agenda as well as um, uh, get more and more sales for the book. It's now it initially was carried by Amazon. Now Lemuria has it. Barnes and Nobles. I've had a number of book signings both at Lemuria and Barnes & Noble. So I go to Baton Rouge on September 2nd for a book signing. We have one in the D.C. area coming up. Yeah, I was going to ask a little bit. I mean, I've, I've self-published some books, and I know that can be kind of a tricky thing getting them into stores because there's generally one or two distributors that distribute books. That's how that business works. Have you been able to get it picked up so you can get nationwide distribution? Oh, yes. Oh, that's great. Because we have these women all over the United States. Yeah, who oh, it uh, makes sense. Right, not only writers, we even have it in Hawaii. Right. So it wasn't just the writers themselves, but uh, many people who, you know, join the ranks. Oh, sure. So, How did you go about picking out the stories? Well, my daughter did most of that. Yeah. And, uh, basically, we took just about everything that people submitted, and then she fine-tuned it and then took it to the professional level, and they fine-tuned it. Yeah. And my own story was edited at least three or four times. I know. And I started getting a complex. You do. It's it's <laughs> like the, the ultimate, you, you know, when you're... In, in high school, and you get the first English paper, and it's all covered with red ink. It looks like somebody cut themselves on it. It's like <laughs> ah, on that. But um, that's pretty neat. That really is. Uh, talk about what the book is about, because I think we, of course, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the year. But what's the book about? Well, uh, basically, it's about diff- all eighty women have totally different stories, different reactions to the election. And as you can well imagine, uh, they were not happy with the results of the election. And um, one of my favorite stories of all comes from a lady in Missouri, and it's anonymous. And she is a minister in a church, and she found that her church was divided completely in half. with Those who were happy, those who were not happy Mm -hmm. with the election. So her story is about trying to find peace within her uh, within her congregation, and I find it very heartwarming. Uh, she said that uh, they've learned to be uh, or to feel safe, even though they feel vulnerable other places within the confines of that church. They find a safe environment because of love and grace. Right. And I thought that was just a beautiful way of putting it. They have that golden thread that binds them together. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, it, it has been interesting, and of course, I um, am very public with political stuff just because of what I do for a living. Uh, in the last couple of years, people on both sides of the issue, and I will say both sides on this, but everybody's been very passionate about their opinions on this. And some people have been kind of grumpy and and, and so forth. But 
it is fascinating because it does split families too, doesn't it? Oh, it did. In yeah. my case, in and your... I talk about it in my story, uh, my daughter, who was the editor of the book, and my older daughter did not speak until last week, actually, wow. when I was in Austin, Texas. Uh, over the fact that the over the election exactly wow that's tough mm-hmm. it really was tough it was heartbreaking for me well how did they break the ice because i mean maybe somebody listening right now thinking wow i wish my my kids would start talking again well what finally happened is uh, aaron moved into a new house and jennifer my older daughter went with me to help uh, move everything into the house and do some decorating and they just met at the front door and looked at each other and hugged and said they loved each other, and right. that was it. And I was just all smiles, as you can imagine. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> For you as a as parent, because trust me, I mean, when my boys get in fistfights, I'm like, no, stop. So right. <laughs> I can imagine that. And um, that's a really powerful lesson, I think. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I mean, obviously – Politics are passionate, and I know we've got that in my family, too. Some of my family, you know, we, we find other things to talk about right. at Thanksgiving kind of thing. So wh- what's another story you love in the book? Uh, another story, and many, uh, I wouldn't say many are like this, but one in particular, uh, her late her son, this lady's son, was born with uh, severe disabilities, mm-hmm. and they just had to depend on Medicare. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, Oh, not Medicaid. Medicaid, Medicaid, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was just terrified that they would lose that because her son would actually die without that. And uh, this uh, same sentiment was also echoed by another lady whose son was born with disability. And I have to say that her story centers around the fact that Trump made fun of the disabled reporter. Right. And it just really... You know, really impacted her negatively when that happened. Yeah, I could imagine because mm-hmm. it hit really close to home. And you know, I think that's one of the things um, we're really good these days at talking past each other. You know, but I think when you can humanize a story, uh, that tends to help, doesn't oh, it? And yeah. that's what it does. And and the stories are just from the heart, right? And. You know, and I'd like to tell people that, you know, we're not the marching. Well, we are marching, but we're not the bra burning. Right. We are just we just want our rights and we want um, our families to feel safe. Our children, our grandchildren. That's what we're about. We do not want to sit back and do nothing. Right. And we felt that uh, immediately after the election, we have to do something. So I immediately got my ticket to D.C., well, after the break, we'll speak more with Kay Phillips as we continue to go inside her story. And later, we'll welcome musician Seth Power as he talks about his new project. And if you have a question or comment about today's topic, give us a call at imp- that's uh, 877-672-7464. That's 877-MPB-RING. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. For the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Ah, tell you what, today's Eclipse Day. I hope you're prepared for it. I think the actual high point of the eclipse, or the low point, I'm not quite sure how you look at that. When the sun has the maximum coverage here in Mississippi, it's about 126 this afternoon. I think it all gets cranked up about 1230 or so, and then it goes... It's like two or three hours worth anyway, but the the darkest point when you'll notice it getting a little bit shady is around 126. And as uh, Martha says on my Facebook page, she says, my chickens are going to be so confused. Maybe I'll get two eggs from each the hen today. So there you go. Something positive. It could come out of the eclipse. So we're well, question of the day is, of course, how has politics affected you? Or are you going to say, what are you doing to watch the eclipse today, too? And we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 877-MPB. Ring, that's 877-672-7464. Uh, apparently, my brain just had an eclipse, too. So that, that tends to happen a lot. Anyway, um, we're back. We're talking with Kay Phillips, and we talked a little bit about her new book, The Nasty Women Project. And, of course, you were at the Mississippi Book Festival. We talked talked on a little bit. How was that experience for you? I thought it was just amazing. Uh, it was uh, far went beyond my expectations. And I was a little worried you know, being in the red state and having a big sign that said Nasty Women Project, but everyone was lovely. And I had several people come by and talk to me at length. Uh, one lady said, well, I voted for Donald Trump, but um, I wanted to hear your side of the story and actually talk to me about it. And uh, wanted to know, one of her main questions was, what was it like in Washington, D.C. for the Women's March? Was there violence? Uh, you know, we've heard different stories, and I said, absolutely not. It was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had in my entire life. And she listened very carefully, and then I listened to her talking about her views, and then she went on her way. I had several, several encounters like that, and it really heartened me. You mean we actually can be civil? Yes, we what? can. <laughs> no. No, you, you were told me something really funny during the break. Um, of course, you mentioned in the last segment that you are first cousins with our first lady, Deborah Bryant, who I am a big fan of. I love I love the first lady. And uh, the governor has had a great nickname for Aaron for many years, your daughter. That's correct. What's he, that? He calls her Hillary. <laughs> oh, no kidding. And she's like from 12 on, right? From 12 on, they've been arguing. And uh, we usually meet up at Christmas for our family gathering. And every year, Deborah says to Phil, now you behave. Don't fight with Aaron or oh, Hillary. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's really funny. Um, yeah, my, my family is kind of like um, my sister calls us the righteously right Ramsey. So if an argument gets going at Christmas, we're in big trouble on that. <laughs> were there any authors that you were excited to meet? Uh, well, Greg Isles um, and, uh, as you mentioned, Richard Ford. Yeah. But I couldn't go anywhere. I was busy. I got there actually at 7 o'clock. Oh, goodness. I was busy selling books and talking to people until 3 o'clock when I ran out of books and actually ran out of steam. Because yeah. I'm 71 years old, and that heat. And there was plenty that, of steam. That was lots of steam. It, it was warm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you were right there on the street, you know, so I'm sure it was exactly. good and toasty on that. How many books did you bring? I only brought t- 22 because I thought, oh, you know, yeah, I don't know if this is going to go over or not. And it did. So wow. I'll be back next year. It is um and I've talked with John Evans from Lemuria, and, of course, the first year that they did it, and, of course, they had the big tent there for with books for sale. He said it was like Christmas. 
She said people just came in there and just bought books like crazy. And I mean, 22 books in a day is a good day of book selling. I thought so. <laughs> it really is. And so, and like I said, you had to go buy another copy of your own book. Right. Did that hurt? They gave you a discount, didn't they? I didn't even ask. <laughs> you could have gotten an author discount, definitely. Okay. So um, you didn't get to meet too many authors. Man, I hate you didn't get to meet Greg. I know it. He's um, one of my favorites. He is. Uh, he, we had him here on the show. And he's one of the nicest human beings that you'll ever... He's one of those kind of people that I think when he got in that bad car accident, I think it just kind of totally changed his life. Uh, really great guy. So we'll have to try to make that hook up oh, for have you. to happen next year. Yeah, we'll have to make that happen next year. Okay, can we expect another book from you? Oh, yes. Really? Uh, there's a book coming out. It's... Um Nasty Women Project Volume 2. Now, my daughter, who is the editor of Volume 1, has backed off completely because what? it basically took over her life for three months. And yeah. she has a regular job plus two children. And she said, uh, no, I just can't do a Volume 2. So a lady named Lola Rhodes, who is a wonderful person, has taken up the banner. And uh, she lives in New York. And she already has a number of stories that have been submitted. But if anyone would like to submit one... Uh, for a possible publication, uh, just go to uh, nastywomenproject.com and toward the bottom of the uh, page, you'll see where it says comments or to contact us and go ahead and contact Lola and she will definitely look at this submitted uh, essay and you possibly may be in this volume too. Might might be in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, are you going to do another story? I don't think so. (laughs) I think I'm going to do my own book. That's a good plan. And I already have a, a title. It's called Notes from an Old Goat. Notes from an Old Goat. Because I'm Greatest Cap- of all time, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> because I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> oh, okay. Like a goat could be greatest of all time, too. So, um, That's true. <laughs> notes from an Old Goat. Now, so you got a cool title. What, what's the book going to be about? Your, your Kind of your life? Well, uh, yes, and I have some short stories that are um, nonfiction that I've collected through the years. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of stories in me. I bet. Well, well, tell us a couple. Uh, one in particular, and this involves uh, the first lady. Yeah. Um, uh, she sent word that she was coming to see me and would be there in about an hour, and my house was a wreck, and I had various people in the house that I thought needed to be polished up a little bit, like my right. stepdaughter's boyfriend. And so I was just running around in a huge flurry trying to get ready for her arrival, and I explained a lot of things as I'm going. And at the end, after we were just catching our breath, she called back and said she couldn't make it. Oh, no. But you got a clean house out of the deal. I had a clean house, exactly. I had a very similar story to that. Um, I had drawn a cartoon about Kirk Fordyce when he died going into heaven. And I had St. Peter saying we had to let him in. He threatened to whip our... Okay, because you remember he said that to Burke Case. Right, right. So, um, needless to say, I got a lot of people calling me that were completely mad that I was disrespectful. Well, I mean, you can't do anything weepy about Kirk Fordyce because that wasn't who Kirk Fordyce was. So... About seven or eight people called me cussing me out on the phone and leaving messages, and then the eighth person was Pat Fordyce. And, of course, I naturally called, and she said, Marshall, the family loves the cartoon, and we want the original. So I, I said, you just come on by the house, Miss Fordyce, and you can pick it up. Uh, apparently my wife wanted to clean the house or something before the former first lady came to the house. So there is a standard, I guess. You have to have a clean house when a first lady comes exactly. to the house. So that's that's where that was going on that. So um, you know, you're putting together your own book. And uh, when do you think that will be out? Uh, probably maybe February of next year. Oh, so you're working mm-hmm. seriously on I it. I am. So, so that will be good. Um, any other projects you're working on? 
Just being a grandmother. Being a grandmother, that's a full-time project. Right. I have five grandchildren. I divide my attention between all of them. So you've got two here. Uh, No, actually, uh, four in Austin, Texas, and one in Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you get to do a little bit of travel, too. I travel a lot. (laughs) Yeah, you can't get to Austin from here. Uh, Right. (laughs) No, exactly. You've got to make like six connections. Exactly. Nice town, though. Oh, no, uh, that's right. Six connections. But D.C., just fly up there and back. It's uh, just one. That's awesome. Yeah, one leg. <laughs> Very cool. And so um, where can someone get more information about the project and, of course, others? I mean, you've got the Facebook page and so forth. And so. then the, right. Uh, and one other thing I wanted to mention, oh, I was sure. in England in uh, um, June, and my husband and I were there for our 20th anniversary also to visit family and friends. And I donated the book to the library in Nuneaton, which, by the way, is the home of the author, George Eliot. Mm-hmm. And the lady I donated to the librarian was just astounded and happy to receive the book. And she said, you know, you need to get this into the universities. And she was thinking in England, but it made me think. And she said, this is going to be a wonderful primary source for political science majors in the future. Oh, cool, to yeah. To get the, the feel of what was going on at that particular time. Oral histories, you can't exactly, beat them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, definitely. On that. So how many stories are in the book? 80 altogether. 80. Okay, so there's 80. And divided up into the different uh, parts of the country. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's not just everybody from the coast. It's everybody from uh, all the way right. from sea to shining sea. Exactly. Yeah. But I will say Mississippi is uh, represented more than any other state because, of course, our editor is from Mississippi. No bias there, no. No bias there. I'm, of course, from Mississippi. And then everybody knows the wonderful Miranda Joyner. Yes. And she's uh, one of the contributors as well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she's a character, too. So exactly. Definitely. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I do appreciate you coming in on this. And, hey, Michelle, I think I think she's done fantastic today, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> thumbs up on Michelle as well. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, well, we're going to welcome the show back to the show. I mean, I'm glad to have him back. Seth Bauer. We're going to talk with him. And don't forget about our question today. How has politics affected you? Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Midnight 
You are hearing for the first time. Nowhere else are you going to hear this song. Casanova by Seth Power. And he is back in the studio. If you're just tuning in, of course, we've had a great show so far. Thank you for listening. Today is Eclipse Day. I hope you've got your Eclipse sunscreen on and getting ready for your Eclipse glasses, which I'm not going to do that because I like to see. I'm kind of old-fashioned. Um, but anyway, that's coming up here soon, so I hope you're all prepared. Anyway, Seth, it's good to see you again. Yeah, thank you all so much so, for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, how are you going to party today during for the Eclipse? You got uh, big plans? Big plans. I mean, once I leave here, I'm going to the music store to buy some new gear. Um, so so um, you're living a normal life on Eclipse Day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to try to find somewhere to see it, but I mean, I didn't I didn't invest in the solar eclipse glasses, so I think I'm going to have to do the old-fashioned way like y'all were talking about. Yeah, the old pinhole. Yeah. Two, two pieces of cardboard, you poke a little pinhole in there, and then you hold it up, and then you can see. Yeah, yeah just, I, you're right. I, see, I don't need my eyes. As long as I have my ears and my hands, it's like... It doesn't matter. That's true. Yeah, I kind of need mine. My <laughs> cartoons are bad enough as is. They yeah. probably would go downhill very quickly <laughs> if I stared at the sun too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it's kind of cool. I, I, I guess I didn't want to put big bucks into the eclipse glasses because when's the next time you're going to use it? You In know? a century, maybe. Yeah, right, you know. maybe. Yeah. So, definitely. <laughs> so, what have you been doing? I mean, it's been... I was trying to think about the last time you were on the show. It was like a year ago, maybe yeah. a little less than a year. Yeah, it hasn't even been a full year since I released my last project. So, like, as soon as we finished that one... You know, we promoted it for a little while, played some shows and all that stuff, and then it was like right back into the studio, right, right. back at it. Um, I moved some stuff around, worked with some different people this time. My cousin actually uh, helped me produce it and mix it. So, Excellent. Yeah, the two of us put in the majority of the work. Um, I tracked it at Blue Sky Studios with Casey Cumbest. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was, everything's better, everything's bigger, everything sounds more professional. I mean, because uh, in the interim, I also produced another album for another girl uh, named Arabella, mm-hmm. and uh, it actually charted on iTunes this week. Oh, that's awesome! Congratulations! Yeah, yeah it went to seventeen, uh, and the singer songwriter right there with Nora Jones and Paul Simon, all this stuff. So and she's sixteen years old. So she's wow. uh, yeah, yeah, she's from Hattiesburg. She's got a, a lot of potential. Um, so yeah, working with her and doing that really helped me grow a lot as a producer and just kind of figuring out the ins and outs of the studio because it takes so much time really to kind of gain your bearings and and then start figuring out what works and then on top of that how to be original and unique in an industry where there's you know a billion plus songs you know it's like how do i stand out how do i make something that's going to make people you know, stop what they're doing and say, who is this? Where can I find more? Right. Well, I mean, number one, just listening to you sing. I mean, your voice <laughs> is enough to jump out, but but you're right. I mean, back in the, the day, you know, somebody would hear you singing at a club or something and sign you to a giant contract. Yeah. And, you know, then, then they would push their stuff on radio stations. And now with Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. It's so decentralized. It is. Yeah. It really is. And it's a blessing and a curse, I guess, because, like, um, I mean, now more people. But you've got have, the technology to be able to put out an album, for exactly. instance, cheaply and, or cheaper. Yeah, and I mean, you can if you have the right equipment, you can you know record in your bedroom. You know, yeah. As long as you have the right acoustics and the right space, and if you know what you're doing, and you can produce it, and then you put it out there on SoundCloud or something, and it starts gaining organic traction. I mean, yeah, it's good. Like I think overall, it's it's good that it we are in the model that we are now. Right. But yeah, you're right. If back in the day, if you were lucky enough to be heard by people, and they said, "Oh, we got talent here," we can 
push this through all the right avenues and yeah and, you know now you kind of have to be not only the musician but the marketing person and the accountant and the producer and yeah you, you're a small business owner you're a small I mean, business owner that's how you had to look at it i um, think it dawned on me uh i was speaking out in texas at, in houston and i was at the galleria which is a really upscale fancy mall and as i think everybody knows now if you want to buy something you can get on the internet for about half of what you can get at the galleria for yeah. but you walked in every one of those stores and every one of your five senses were engaged it yeah. was an event. Yeah. And that's the thing. When you're, you know, you're an event now. Mm-hmm. So when people come to your concerts, they expect something. Yeah. And they, when they hear your music, they expect something. That's how you got to di- differentiate yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to create an experience yeah. beyond just the single sense of like, hey, come and you know, everybody stand in this room and I'm going to play some music for you. I mean, I love going to shows, and I'm not one for gimmicks or anything. But so I you love... don't set yourself on fire on stage or anything like that? No, I haven't okay. yet. No. Okay. I mean, there's still time. We'll see. <laughs> um, He's writing that down. So yeah. I'll try that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you have to engage them in more than just, you know, that one way. Um, I love going and seeing uh, a show. Like, I saw the Alabama Shakes yeah. down in New Orleans. And they're not doing, like, gimmicky stuff, but, you know, she... Is out. She's a force of nature. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah. She, like you can't take your eyes off her because she, the way she sings and she's moving around the stage, yeah, and it's very organic while at the same time being entertaining. Uh, you know, you can tell it's not scripted, but it's it's interesting. You know, it, it captures you. So yeah, sometimes you have to like kind of put your ego on the back burner and be like, well, maybe people don't perceive me as the person who's going to be you know dancing around the stage or whatever. But I feel like as long as you're honest about it and you're really letting yourself be moved by what you're doing. Right. I think people will resonate with that. Tell me how you got started in music. Uh, I was eight years old, and uh, I started playing on the piano. My parents yeah. had a piano in the house, and I would just kind of, you know, ding, 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 ding. ding, yeah. ding yeah. Um, and so I think my mom was the one probably who was like, we should, you know, have you take lessons. And I was eight, so I was like, all right, whatever. Okay. Yeah, so I did that. I started doing recitals and stuff, and then I turned 10, and they got me a guitar. I wanted drums, but I was a 10-year-old that wanted drums, right. and they were like, oh, maybe not. Being uh, a parent, I understand that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I got the guitar, and that was kind of it from there. I put the piano away. I was yeah. like, I'm done with this. And my mom taught me some songs, and I started taking lessons, and it just kind of spiraled. Then I started writing music, and then I started recording it when I was like 14. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I recorded tons of songs, and 98% of them were awful yeah but so you look back and it's like i look at my drawings when i was 14 ago i thought they were good yeah exactly at the time you're like man this is groundbreaking uh and then you go back and you're like wow that was rough but i mean it it's a process right right and that's what i tell people i said you got to get all the bad ones out of the way yeah you know i think a lot of people think at that it's like a zeros and one thing like this person is either incredibly talented or they're not you know what i mean and it's it's really not the way of it. I mean, when I was that age, if somebody would ask me, "Do you think you'd be doing this now? Do you think that you'd be have the ability to write these songs that you're writing or do this?" I would have said no because I didn't see it. Right. I thought I just lacked whatever it was I needed, but I just kept doing it because I enjoyed it. And over time, I started having that realization of like, "Oh, maybe this song would, you know, people would like this. Maybe yeah. people would listen to this." And then it just kind of goes from there until you develop that belief that you can do it and then at that point you just have to decide that you're going to well and after doing the recitals you you learn that you know you can get up in public and yeah even at a young age you know um and when i was 15 i would do open mics and stuff like that and i would play original songs that i wrote and like i said they were they were bad you're (laughs) you're gonna have a listening party this friday in fact yeah at dueling hall eight o'clock nice Mm -hmm. that's such a great venue too. oh man i love playing it really is i mean i just the ambiance of it's fantastic Mm -hmm. um well you get 
you got the new project coming out. That's exciting. Ah, um, your Facebook, Instagram, throw that out there too. Cause I want people to, yeah, it's all uh, Seth power music. So yeah. Instagram, uh, is something I'll use often to promote shows and tell people about stuff or give like kind of a behind the scenes look in the studio. Uh, and that's at Seth power music. My Facebook is Seth power dash music. Yeah. Um, you can go to Google and type in Seth power. power and you'll pop up everywhere. <laughs> pop exactly. up. Yeah. Luckily there's not that many people with my name. So, uh, you don't have to wade through all the, all that stuff. Um, my website is sethpowermusic.com. You can sign up for a little newsletter. It's just like a little email blast every once in a while. It just says here, we're going to be at this place at this time. Here's some tickets, you know, like just oh, that's make, cool. yeah. it makes it easier. Uh, and, soon you know um i would like to start giving the people who do that you know bef- here's a link to the tickets before they're available to the general yeah. public just so that people feel like it's you know worth jumping on board exactly <laughs> become part of club Seth. yeah exactly well yeah let's go ahead and take the guitar out and uh, finish out the show with a song how's that sound sure okay good. very good well you got seth power with us and of course uh, is listening parties coming up this Friday at 8 o'clock at Dueling Hall. Highly recommend it. And, of course, just Google Seth Power, and you will find out just exactly how powerful he really is. There we go. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's just bad. It's, it's Monday. It's, it's, it's Eclipse Day. I you know, know, there we go. It's it's hard not to, to use it in some form or fashion. I understand. You never heard that one before. Here's the Canuck guy. Here we go again. I'm just glad that you say my name right. Um, you'd be surprised how many people want to throw an S on the end of that. I know. It. Powers. It's tempting. Like Austin Powers, you know? Yeah. I've done interviews with people, and I'm like, please, please don't write Seth Powers. Please don't print that. Hey, here on... It comes out. Here on Now When You're Talking, we do our homework. (laughs) Yeah. Most of the time. That's appreciated. Some days. Yeah. All right. We got Seth Power here. What what you going to play for us? Uh... I could play you a new song. That'd be cool. Brand new. Oh, Make fantastic. It MPB exclusive. There we go. Doesn't exist anywhere else. Okay, That's what you claimed, right? Put a tape in and start hit record. Yeah.
Phillips and Seth Powers and Seth that's wonderful thank you what's the name of the song uh, it's called notice it's, it's about two days old so. uh, two days old excellent <laughs> and the album is uh, the album is called Magnolia Soul and it's, um, and it's available for pre-order right now and listening party is coming up Friday at Friday 8 o'clock at Dueling Hall that's very right. good thank you very yeah. much all right well now you're talking this production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by generous contributions of listeners like you. Shows produced by the amazing Michelle McAdoo. Come back next week. Right now, coming up next is Southern Remedy. <laughs> 